Well, I am not Pastor Randy. Um, I'm Pastor Paul, and uh, Pastor Randy has the flu, so uh, he's not able to be here. So I'm uh, one, uh, Pastor uh, Chaplain over at the Lutheran Home. I'm actually called from St. Peter to be, be deployed here um, to serve at the Lutheran home. So once in a while, I'll be back here and sharing God's word with you. So it's a joy and a privilege to do that. Let us pray. Lord God, by grace, we are forgiven. By your love, we are healed. By your patience, we are restored. By your cross, you include us and represent us in your death and resurrection. And by your blood, we are cleansed from all our sins. Your favor rests on us. Lord, speak to us, your servants. Holy Spirit, come, call, gather, and enlighten us and sanctify us in the one true faith. Come, Holy Spirit, be gone, you demons of darkness, pride, indulgence, and shame. Come, Holy Spirit, and help us to join Jesus in the redemption and the restoration of this simple, broken, and defective world. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're doing a sermon series on knowing God by name. In, in the Old Testament, um, there are many Hebrew names given to God. And this week's name is uh, in, found in Genesis 16, revealed to us by Hagar, um, Elroy, and uh, it actually goes Yahweh Elroy, and it means God who sees me. God who sees me. And this is only one time in the Bible that this name is used by God. So, what does God see when he looks at us personally? Is he pleased? Is he discouraged? Is he happy or sad? Is he angry? Or is he showing some empathy? I'm a big hockey fan. I love the Blackhawks, and I'm sure if... Um, Pastor Randy was here, he would say he loves the Detroit Red Wings, right? He's from Detroit, unfortunately. Oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> no. Um, so when I go to a Blackhawks game, um, there's been some times that I've gone there. I, I love sitting in the bleed, uh, uh, nosebleed section because you can see the whole rink. You can see the plays, you can see the puck going through, the, you can see the goals, and uh, so I like the nosebleed sec section, you can bird's eye view of the rink. But fans tell me that being in the front row is also very exciting too, because you can see the faces, you can see the sweat, you can see the blood, you can see, you can hear the, the foul language, even, <laughs> uh, of the players. So, 
whether you're a fan in the nosebleed section or a fan in the front rows, there's, you, can, you can get into the hockey game. And then I thought about that, and I thought about God and how big of a fan God is. Because he not only is that spectator up in the nosebleed section, but he's down there in the front row, and he sees us. He sees the big picture in our lives. He saw the big picture in Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, who we're going to talk about in our text. And he sees and gets up close to us as well. El, Yahweh, El Oroi, God who sees me, is the name that we'll be talking about today. And so in our our text. I want us to put ourselves in the shoes of Abraham and Sarai and Hagar. And they put the whole promise in a dilemma. Uh, God's promise to Abraham, if you remember in Genesis chapter 12, is I'm going to multiply you, Abraham. I'm going to give you land. You're going to have many uh, families, offsprings, and um, through you, all the nations will be blessed through your seed. Not plural, but singular, seed. All the nations will be blessed. And that eventually did happen. If you take a look at Matthew chapter 1 in the Bible, you have the genealogy of Jesus. And the first person that's mentioned in Jesus' genealogy is Abraham. Father Abraham. So the seed, Jesus Christ, and Abraham is, we're, a, we're an adopted son and daughter in God's family through Abraham because of Jesus Christ. So, three truths, three ways God sees us. God saw Abraham and Sarah, and Hagar. First of all, he sees us as sinners. And then my second point is going to be, he sees us needy and in want. And the last one is that God sees us as his children of promise. God sees us as sinner. Sinner, okay? Uh, I'm, I'm sure there was a lot of finger pointing going on between uh, this household, this family, uh, between Sarah and Abraham and Hagar. Um, you know, first of all, Hagar. Uh, well, she's the victim in this um, mess of a story, right? Uh, she's the slave. She's supposed to obey her uh, owners. and But then... You know, she has relations with Abraham, she conceives, and all, you know, the rest of the story. So she's feeling a lot of uh, hurt. Uh, uh, her master, Sarah, is just very jealous of her, sends her out into the desert. Well, actually, Hagar took it upon herself to send her out into the desert. And what? 
she's taking herself out of the situation. You know how that is. And we don't want to mess with the problems in our families, right? We want to just take ourselves out. And she's out in the desert, ready to take her life. Whoa. And then we have Sarah. Uh, she's an emotional mess. You know, I can't conceive. God promised 10 years ago, Abraham, you know, out of your body, uh, uh, you will have a son. And, uh, and, many, and your family will be as many as the stars in the sky. It was the promise. Oh, so she's upset and goes to Abraham. Abraham, who could have said no? No, honey, I don't think we should do that. That's adultery. Uh, you know, in that day, in their culture, in that time, that was okay. You know, have a surrogate mother. It's okay. So uh, that's what they do. They, um, uh, Abraham has relations with Hagar. And she conceives, has a son. Who's the bigger sinner in this account? Is it Hagar, Abraham, or Sarah? And really, no one. It, it, they're, all, they're all big sinners. Just like we're all big sinners, right? All, the Bible says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's no one righteous, not one. And the Bible goes on to say, uh, if you keep the whole law, but if you just sin at one point, you're guilty of all of the law. We're all sinners. There's no degrees of sin, okay, in God's eyes. First truth, Abraham, Sarai, and Hagar are sinners. Second point, they are in need. Well, Sarah's in need. Abraham's in need. Uh, in, infertility, right? Couples go through this today. They're, they're angry. They're hurt. They're, they're upset. Uh, frustrated. They are in need of a child. And then we have Hagar. She flees from the household of Abraham into the wilderness. Um, is ready to self-inflict herself from and she's without food she's without shelter in need we are people who are sinners but we are people that are in need now as many as you i'm going to switch gears here a little bit I am the Lutheran chaplain over at the Lutheran home, just about five blocks away from here. And I did a little bit of digging about the Lutheran home. It, uh, by the way, it's 130 years old. 130 years old. Uh, and there was a need. There was a need. There was this pastor. His name was August Reinke. He's a pastor at Bethlehem Lutheran Church in Chicago. And maybe some of his members uh, who were aging uh, needed a home. They just didn't know what to do. So his 
his message was, we need an Altenheim, in German, old people's home. Okay? We need an Altenheim. He, and he preached a powerful sermon about looking after the widows and the poor and the needy and providing something for them. So, in an envelope, he gets 26 cents to start this Lutheran home. Now, 26 cents doesn't sound like a lot, but it was in those days. And uh, so, but it caught on. Um, a, a couple who, who were wanting to sell their land for $500, which was in the district, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod's district, you know, that the, maybe the district president or somebody said, hey, um, we, we got this land, pretty good deal, $500 out in uh, Arlington Heights. And so uh, 26, magic number is 26. 26 churches got together and put down $500 and paid for the land. Now, I'm not sure where this land was. It was somewhere on Northwest Highway, okay, maybe Ridge and Northwest, somewhere uh, downtown. It's, it's no longer there but, anymore. But, um, so they had the land, and then they decided to build. And then they um, gathered 45, 46 churches in, in the northern Illinois district. Now, I don't know even some in central Illinois churches, Lutheran churches, put in money, and they raised $15,000, enough to build the new Altenheim, the Lutheran home. And it was a three-story building. Um, I have a picture of it right here. I know you can't see it, but maybe you want to take a look at it. It's probably one of the taller buildings in Arlington Heights in that day. There was a need. God provided and God continues to provide for the aging people today. And I'm happy to report that the Lutheran home is a grace-driven community uh, that not only cares for the physical needs of the residents, but their spiritual needs as well. And more importantly, the gospel is being proclaimed without apology by Lutheran pastors and chaplains. Praise God. Yahweh Elroy, God, God who sees me, you, Abraham, Sarah, Hagar, sees us as sinners and sees us as people in need. The third thing God sees us is as his children his sons and daughters. Um, children of promise. You know, like Abraham was promised um, that he would have a large family eventually from generation to generation to generation. Um, we are a part of that family of Abraham. You all know the song, Father Abraham. Have you ever heard of that song? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So let's all praise the Lord. Okay, so what is that song saying? But 
we are a part of Abraham's family, right? See, the threefold promise was land to Abraham, offspring, and a blessing through a seed through all nations. And because Jesus is of the line of Abraham, and Jesus is that promised seed, we are a part of Abraham's family through adoption because of Jesus. Christ died on that cross, not just for Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, but for future generations, his family. And we're a part of that. <laughs> many many uh, Jewish people like to say, well, our father is Abraham. But do you know that Abraham is actually uh, from Ur of the Chaldeans? Um, he's from Babylon. He's far from being a true blue Jew, right? Um, we are children of promise. Recall, if you will, what happened in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve. When they sinned, they hid themselves. God, don't see me, right? They knew. They fell from God's grace. But seriously, can anyone hide from God? No. No. God calls out to them, where are you? What was that question all about? It wasn't about geographically, where are you? He knew where they were. God didn't need GPS. <laughs> where are you was, where are you in relationship with me? You have fallen from me. I'm hurting. I'm sad, God is saying. I want that relationship restored. And so what does God do? The first sacrifice in the Bible is an animal. They were covering themselves in shame with plants. But God is saying, I'm going to sacrifice for you, and I'm going to give you clothes. I'm going to give you lamb's wool, you know? Kind of a, it is. It's a reflection of eventually Jesus, who is that lamb of God, who is going to take away the sins of the world. And a foretaste. God was giving Adam and Eve. And not only that, a promise in Genesis 3.15 that um, out of Eve's seed, singular, will come a Savior, Jesus Christ. So, God sees us up close as sinners and in need. And then God sees the big picture, the need of salvation through a promised Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, sometimes people uh, like to say, oh, the Bible, it's, it's a bunch of stories, and they, they're, 
contradict each other and, oh, the Bible, it's just a bunch of moral teachings. I, I can accept that, but uh, no, the Bible's more than just a bunch of good, feel-good stories. Rather, it's a big picture, a big story, one story, where God created the world, that world came into ruin, God sends his son, Jesus, to be our savior and redeem and restore this broken world, and that he promises to come again. That's, that's it, the big story about God's love to us through faith in Jesus Christ. By his grace, we are saved. So God sees, God knows us up close. He has the big picture in mind. And in the end, Yahweh, El Roy, sees you and me saved by his grace. Amen. Okay, for our question, your question for today. How does, how is God seeing you today? Um, does he, do you feel like he's got the big picture in mind for you? Or is he getting up close with you today? Um, you can share with each other those two questions. See you up close or does he see you big picture of things or both. <laughs>